Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is banking today. I'm privileged to be speaking with Alex Sanchez, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Bankers Association. Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Tom, great to be here with you, and uh, and I look forward to the interview, and uh, uh, so... Uh, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, informing uh, your your audience uh, as to what's going on uh, in the banking industry from Florida's perspective. Well, that's a good place to start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the association, its membership, and its mission? Tom, we're we're uh, we're proud to be announcing, and in these days, especially in these days that we're living in, that uh, we're proud to announce that uh, that this is our 121st year. Uh, we don't take that for granted, but the association was formed 121 years ago in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, we represent over 400 uh, banks and uh, you know trust companies uh, throughout the state. And, and uh, you know the, the association has a rich tradition here in our state. And, and again, we're proud to to have been operating uh, so many years, and hopefully another 121 to go. Well, let's get through this next one first because it's a challenging one for all of us. I know it. I know it. Alex, what are the issues that are, that are really of the greatest concern to your membership right now in this economy that we're in? You know, Tom, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, obviously the economy is not where we want it to be. Uh, nobody wants it to be where it is right now. And uh, uh, so that's obviously, you know, serving our customers and, and our banks serving uh, their communities is you know, job one right now because everybody wants to see us get through these days so we can get to the other side. Uh, and as the uh, as the doors once sang, break on through to the other side. If you remember that song, absolutely. Uh, so that we can break through this cycle we're in, get out of it, recover, and get our country uh, back to normalcy again. Uh, and I, I think that you know, I think there's going to be a lot of issues. Uh, uh, that we're going to have to deal with as a nation, not just as a banking industry, uh, involving our industry as well, uh, but but just overall a lot of issues we have to deal with as a country. But and, I, and I, let me go through some of those. Number one for our industry is, you know, I, I want people to understand what TARP is, what it really means. It's not a, you know, the media keeps using Tom the bailout, quote unquote, bailout word. Well, this is not a blank check uh, with no strings attached, money given to banks by the federal government. Uh, not all banks want TARP monies, need TARP monies, have asked for TARP monies. I think the federal government asked the, the, our bigger banks in, the, in our nation to take it, uh, no questions asked, whether they wanted it or not. Most of our banks did not. And then for our community banks who are now in the process of applying and receiving, not all of them want it, not all of them uh, need it. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and if you do ask for it, doesn't mean anything bad, uh, but it's an investment from the federal government in the purchase of stock of banks. It's not a blank check. So what does that mean? That means that the federal government now owns part of our banks. And our banks have to repay that, uh, to buy back their stock. And it's very expensive to do this. So it's not a bailout as many claim. Uh, I want to get that out on the table because I think that's important. As far as our nation is concerned, you know, uh, uh, and relating to TARP, banks are making monies. Uh, uh, and how do they make money? By lending money. 
people are saying, oh, banks are not lending money. Well, if they didn't lend money, they wouldn't make money, and and they wouldn't survive. So banks are, are in the business of, of, of lending money to their, you know, customers. Now, what got us into this mess, Tom, uh, is the not many non-bank lenders were lending money in a loosey-goosey way, and banks have always had high standards for lending money and, and continue to do so today. So, yes, loans are being made. Loans were being made five years ago, and they'll be made five years from now. But you got to qualify. And, and, you know, and many of these non-NON, non-bank lenders were, were doing loans without, uh, you know, uh, you know, checking, uh, income and, you know, the, all the other things that you need to do to verify that it's a credible borrower. And our bankers are doing that. And, uh, and, and I think that's important for our country. Uh, you know, it's one of the problems. We have a lot of loans being made by some of these outfits that are gone today. The Miami Herald reported that, uh, uh, there were 10,000 mortgage brokers in our state who uh, probably never should have gotten that license because some of those folks had a criminal conviction. Wow. And, and they never should have been allowed to have been a mortgage broker. So I, I think, you know, uh, these are some of the issues we're tackling. I think as a nation, though, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to, you know, rebuild and, uh, and, and, you know, it, you know, there was a song, uh, that was sung a few years ago that if you want change, you got to start with the man or let me add the woman in the mirror. Uh, and, uh, we're going to have to live within our means now. And, and you may be surprised by the head of the banking industry in Florida saying this, Tom, but, uh, uh, I can tell you our bankers want their customers to use credit, but they want them to use it wisely and prudently. And uh, our bankers will tell you, give you a reality check and say, look, you don't qualify for this loan. I'd rather have a banker tell me that than have a non-banker lender tell me I qualify when, in effect, I really don't. That makes sense. And that's the whole, the whole point that our bankers in Florida want to see you buy a home, but more importantly, they want to see you buy a home you can afford to stay in. So... You know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, live within our means. We're going to have to save more. We're going to have to, uh, you know, go back to our parents' values. And it's something that as we were blowing and going and running and gunning here in the last few years that uh, we may have forgotten as a nation. Now, let me follow up on a point you were making about TARP. And I think you made a strong point that, you know, this is not a bailout. It comes with strings, and the strings are pretty heavy ones. What do you see as Florida institutions' attitude, if you can typify it even, about the government essentially buying a piece of banks? And then there's talk now of this bad bank program. We may hear more about next week where the government would buy up some of this bad debt. What do you hear from your members? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, again, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it, um, I haven't given a lot of thought to the second question about the bad bank being created. Uh, but as I said, for TARP, uh, monies, I mean, you know, some of our banks just don't want the federal government. It's a philosophical thing. Right. They don't want the federal government to be owning their stock and, 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 and all that it, that implies because these banks have done well. They have a rich history, a rich tradition. They're serving their communities and will continue to do that without TARP. There's some banks who are applying for TARP and you know what? Uh, are going to do good things with it. They're going to, you know, lend it out and, and, uh, and hopefully that will jumpstart the economy. 
uh, and I know lending is up uh, 5% nationwide uh, up to $336 billion in the last quarter of last year. So, uh, you know, just adding that on, on again, it, just because a bank does get TARP money doesn't mean it can now lend it out in a willy-nilly way. I mean, it's still, the borrowers still have to meet certain qualifications. I think it's important for the public to know and for, you know, your, your listeners to know, Tom. And so, you know, bankers are, I have you know, it's, it's a mixed thing. I mean, again, it's a philosophical, it's a mixed, uh, you know, bag on the thoughts out there, uh, on TARP because, again, some bankers do not want, uh, the federal government to, to be, you know, stepping into private industry. And they just have a problem with that. Sure. Now, one thing that we've all discovered in the last year or so, and I think a lot of this is the result of these non-banking institutions you were talking about, is that there's a trust issue. You know, there's there's a crisis in confidence of customers in, in their financial institutions. What are your member institutions doing to bolster customer confidence? Where are they having some success there? You know, Tom, they're doing what got them where they are, and that is opening their doors every day, serving their communities. Uh, no one's running and hiding. No one's hiding underneath a rock. They're visible, and that you know, I think that's part of the uh, solution to this: is show people, hey, look, I'm out here. I'm I'm, I'm on the uh, different uh, not-for-profit boards. I'm I'm helping the community, and and you know, life is as is, is, is normal to the point of normalcy that we can get. Again, during these uh, more challenging and, and tougher economic times that we're going through right now, and I think that's what we, we need to see. I mean, it's incredible that part of our you know healing process is. Uh, I know people don't don't put uh, you know much you know some may not, but you know having the Super Bowl yesterday, it's a great American uh, event, and and having it, can you imagine if it was canceled, right? He would say, "Oh my God, we canceled the Super Bowl because times are really tough." You know, even if it was just an escape for a few hours for us, it, it was a good escape because that's a, something we've always done every year. And it may remind us that we've been here before. We've been, we've seen Super Bowls in other tough years. And you know what? We got it. We got through then and we'll get through now. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the solution is, is getting back to a normalcy. Uh, and we saw that, of course, after 9-11, after our nation was attacked. That, uh, you know, part of our challenge was just get back out and do what we normally do on September 12th, September 13th, September 14th. Of course, it was challenging. It was difficult. We didn't know what the future held for us, uh, in, in our war against terrorism. But, but part of the challenge in our country was to getting back to a normalcy. And that's what I, our bankers are, are, are attempting to do in each community, uh, that they serve. Now, we've got a new administration in Washington. What sort of changes do you anticipate for the banking industry coming from this administration in the Democratic Congress? You know, it, it, uh, you know Tom, it, it, it may be too early to tell. I, I think President Obama has, has picked very good, qualified people for his administration. And it's, uh, you know, I think his administration comes at the right time, uh, a new year. Uh, you know, different times that we're in, which means a new president, which is good. So a different look at things, which is always good to have someone else look at uh, things differently. So I, I think our country is, uh, again, you know, uh, is is change is coming. Change has come not only in the political sense, but in other ways as well. We're all going to have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and, 
and reevaluate, uh, you know, what it is or what we're not doing. So I think I, 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 my, my words to Congress is, is that, you know, take things slow. Usually when Congress, you know, uh, jumps in, uh, you know, head first, uh, you know, usually we have issues that, uh, that are passed, uh, to law that have, uh, great unintended consequences. Uh, but when Congress, you know, thoroughly mauls over and contemplates and thinks over and, and closely examines issues, I think you have a better success rate. So I hope that Congress will take the latter route versus the, uh, the former. Do you expect a fair amount of regulatory change? I mean, sort of historically, we know that the Democratic administrations do tend to to lean toward more regulation. You know, again, it uh, it, it depends on a lot of things. So my words to Congress are: Look, the uh, the reg- the FDIC regulated industries of banks, we are heavily heavily. Uh, I think they have so many non-regulated financial providers out there that they do need to regulate, that's barely or hardly regulated like FDIC-insured banks. I think they need to concentrate their efforts on, on those groups uh, versus us, who we're heavily regulated. Well, uh, no, go ahead, please. Yeah, and, and I mean, so I think they, Congress needs to, you know, start with those that are not regulated at all, or barely, just barely. And, and, and I think there is a, a call and, and rightfully so for those uh, financial non-regulated entities to receive regulation. Well, you make a good point, and certainly we've seen instances of that at financial institutions over the last year. But the other thing that comes to mind is the Heartland Payment Systems breach, which just occurred again. It's a, a business that's a, a financial institution and, and deals with critical information but doesn't have the same types of regulations that banking institutions do. Uh, perhaps this is one of the areas that we see the, the new administration start to look at. Well, and that's why that's right, that's right, Tom, and that's why Congress and our new president need to concentrate on those. I mean, that that are not regulated uh, in the marketplace, and uh, certainly FDIC insured banks are, which is why I think the government told uh, some of our few remaining uh, Wall Street investment firms they would become bank holding companies uh, uh, because they felt that the regulatory regime. Uh, for FDIC insured banks was stronger and better uh, and more stable. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as the uh, uh, breach of any uh, confidential information uh, by whomever it may be, I mean, that is the, the, the lifeline of our industry, the banking industry, the FDIC insured banking industry, as I like to say, uh, because, you know, we have to have the trust of our customers, Tom. Sure. Uh, if we don't have that, that's the basis for our existence, and that's why bankers have always been trusted uh, with valuable information from the days of Dodge City to today. So we, we see that as paramount, that we protect the privacy and trust of our bank customers. So what do, you, Alex, what do you do when you see a, a situation like the Heartland breach? Because it's, it's not happening at the bank, but it's affecting your customers, and the banks are the ones that have to go out there and explain to the customers how do they respond to something like this? And what do you think needs to be done to prevent these types of incidents in the future? Well, I'll let those who are experts in prevention to, to answer that, Tom. I'm not. But I will say that, you know, our bankers are not happy about it. And uh, we, uh, again, protecting the privacy of and trust and keeping the trust, protecting the privacy and keeping the trust of all our customers is paramount to us and something our industry's always done uh, and, and something we will always do. 
uh, and I, I think that's very, very important. You made a key point a few minutes ago. You brought up the word trust, and as you said, it's the linchpin of the industry. We've got banking institutions now that, that certainly have got limited financial and human resources. What advice do you offer to your institutions in terms of maximizing these resources so they can secure their systems, they can reassure their customers, and they can maintain that trust? How do you do that with the, the thin resources we have today? Well, I think uh, the, the good news is that technology has gotten more affordable. When some of these technologies first came out years ago, it was very expensive and, uh, and, and only a few could, could have it. I think, uh, you know, there's also, there's all sorts of flexibility and all sorts of software products and services that provide, uh, this type of protection and, and, and depending on your resources at the institution, well, I guess will depend on which type of system you have. The important thing is to have a system that's been, uh, been shown to work. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing. Is, is again, you know, and our bankers know that, that they practice that to keep the uh, the privacy of, of their customers in order to keep their trust. That's well said. Alex, I appreciate your time and your insight today. No, no, Tom, thank you. Was that helpful? Very good. We've been talking with Alex Sanchez, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Florida Bankers Association. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.